Amen. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. Uh, welcome again to our Thursday Bible study on the Gospel of Luke. Uh, tonight we'll be on the last chapter. So uh, we're, we're full of thanks to the Lord of the time he's given us together as we conclude the book of Luke. But before we get into that, uh, we're going to start our meeting tonight uh, by enjoying hymn number 1241. Uh, there is no recording of it, so we're going to play a tune. Um, so uh, although we might be muted, as I, I always encourage you saints, um, in our spirit, we're not muted. We should be much, there should be much singing, much declaring, much releasing of our spirit. So uh, we're going to, we're going to, uh, by 18, we'll play the, the tune for us and we're going to sing. Uh, and then we'll, we'll continue from there.
since this is quite a long hymn, but it gives us the entire summary of the book from Song of Songs. Uh, the tune is quite familiar to us, but the context is very sweet. We can learn many things from this hymn, which is very much to this week morning revival. And well, tonight we come to the last part of the Gospel of Luke, and we would like to cover the whole chapter tonight, 24 verse 1, all the way to the last verse 53. Uh, if you get into the group, maybe each one can read three verses so we can cover uh, the whole chapter on time. Praise the Lord for the Gospel of Luke. I, I hope uh, you have been enjoying seeing the man Savior in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, tonight we come to the end. Although we read the entire chapter, the focus will be from verses uh, 36 toward to the end, verse 53. But just to have a quick recap that chapter 24 is concerning the Lord's resurrection and his ascension. In our time last week, we saw that the Lord was discovered by his loving seekers. We, that's what we read about in the first part of chapter 24, that these sisters, they were the lovers. They had a heart. Because of their heart for the Lord, they actually prepared some spices. They prepared to see him. Uh, they did not just rest because it was the, the Sabbath, when, because the Lord on, on the day the Lord was crucified. They, uh, after all of that, it says actually in verse 23, they returned, sorry, in chapter 23, verse 56, they returned and prepared spices and ointment. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the command. So before they, they entered the, the rest according to God's commandment, they actually prepared to meet the Lord in his resurrection or for, to, to see him. But on their way to the tomb, they forgot to prepare how to open the tomb. But because of their loving heart for the Lord, God prepared a way. God prepared a way for them to find the living Christ, the living one, the resurrected Christ. Actually, what we saw last week was quite sweet that, um, you know, our love for the Lord, our caring for him, our loving him takes care of all the barriers, all the rocks. You know, we may not have a, a way of getting through the rock to touch the Lord, but this kind of a heart for him, this kind of a preparing, caring, loving him, preparing the spices and the ointment. This kind of a love allows us a way, gives us a way for the, for the rock to be removed. Whatever, was, uh, uh, whatever barrier there is, our love for the Lord enables us to overcome that. So, so that's what we saw. However, the Lord not only appeared to the, not only was he discovered by the uh, loving seekers, we saw that uh, he came to, the, the, the D, 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 triple D, the disappointed, discouraged disciples, the ones who were on their way from Jerusalem down to Emmaus. They were disappointed because 
They were hoping that the Lord would be the one to release Israel from all the bondage that Israel was suffering. From the time of Nebuchadnezzar, Israel had been ruled by foreign people, by foreign kings. So they were hoping that this, that this Jesus would be the one to release Israel. So they were so disappointed. Um, you know, they were, they were going down from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You know, Jerusalem is the church life. That's where the church life is. You know, uh, they, were, they were discouraged. They were disappointed. So they, were, they began to leave the church life. And we saw that the resurrected Christ came in in a very uh, mysterious way. He didn't come in to rebuke. He didn't come in to reprimand. Um, he didn't say, didn't I commit to you? Uh, um, uh, didn't I tell you what would happen? Now, uh, you, you're supposed to follow me. You guys, you, you, you ran away from me when I was dying. That's not how the Lord came in. But rather he came in a very mysterious, secret way and just joined them where they were. He didn't ask them, where are you going? He just joined where they were going. Um, and in joining them, he just asked them, what are you talking about? And they, they were just talking about the situation. The Lord did not rebuke them. He allowed them to speak, to empty their being of all that was occupying them, of all these concerns, these things that were disappointing them. And as they were emptying, there was room in their being for him to open the word to them. I really appreciate in verse 27, beginning from Moses and from all the prophets, he explained to them clearly in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Because now they, their being was open, there was room for him to open the word to them. Ah, oh, praise the Lord for the open word. You know, I, I really appreciate the age we're living in. The Lord has granted us gifts in the body who have opened up the, the word, the scripture to us, to see Christ in every point. I just appreciate it that the Lord has, in his body, opened up the word. So that today, we're no longer heading down to Emmaus, Today, where are those who are in Jerusalem? Uh, so anyway, I better be careful of my time. But I'm just so encouraged that this is how the resurrected Christ came to his disappointed, discouraged disciples. And when he came to them, uh, he, uh, he pretended as though he would go farther. And they constrained him. They asked him, Lord, you have, they, they said, no, don't go far. You have to sleep over. Actually, by the way, that was the first sleepover hospitality after the resurrected Christ. The, the disciples had Christ in their household, uh, even in the Emmaus, even in their house in Emmaus, they had the Lord over the resurrected Christ. They had him over and they had a meal with him. And as he blessed the food and he, as he was breaking the bread, their eyes were open to see him, that, oh, it's the Lord. This is not just a random person who was just walking with us. It was the Lord. And immediately, Luke doesn't say the Lord went away. 
Luke says he disappeared from them. This is very significant, brothers and sisters, because the Lord actually never went away. He simply was hidden. He, 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 with, he withheld his visibility. You could say he, uh, he simply became no longer visible. He was still with them, but no longer in a visible way. Actually, he was preparing them. You could say this was the Lord's preparing. Actually, um, this, is, this is quite helpful. Uh, this is going to be helpful to us in the, in the next section. So maybe because of time, I better, I better go on to verse 36. Uh, oh, before we get to verse 36, when the Lord, when they realized that that was the Lord, although it was dark, it was late at night, they rose up that very hour. And they ran back to Jerusalem to report to the 11 and the rest. Uh, and this is what verse 36 picks up from. Verse 36, it says, and as, as they were speaking these things, they were speaking to the disciples back in Jerusalem, how they had met the Lord and how he spoke, the, how he opened the word to them and their heart were burning. Uh, as they were speaking, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace to you. You see here, again, Luke does not tell us that the Lord entered the room. Actually, if you, look in, if you, if you take a look in John, uh, John chapter 20, there it tells us that the room they were in when they returned to Jerusalem, it was, it was uh, the doors had been shut, had been locked. The doors had been locked because they were, they were afraid of the Jews. So when the Lord suddenly was in their midst, everybody was amazed. Actually, the point here is that the Lord had actually never left the disciples. He was training them to enjoy his invisible presence. This, this, is, this is what the Lord was doing here, that he would be with them in a different way from what they were used to. They were used to seeing the Lord, being with him, but in his resurrection, he would be with them in an invisible way. So here he was training them. So he suddenly stood there, and in verse 37, they were terrified, and they were frightened because they thought they had beheld a ghost uh, or a spirit. That's what this word means here. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Oh, so the Lord had to comfort them. In verse 38, he said, why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your heart? Um, so so they, although on the one hand they were, they were terrified, verse 39, um, the Lord again goes on. He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. And the Lord says, touch me and see. Praise the Lord for these two words, touch me. The Lord, the resurrected Christ, wants his believers to touch him. Praise the Lord. This is what the Lord wants. He wants, he wants us to be those who touch him in his resurrection. Um, you know, uh, this is what, this is the job, if you like, of our, of our, of our, of our Christian life. This is the legacy of our Christian life. 
is that we touch him all the time. Touch me. Touch me and see. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, uh, I really enjoy these two words. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you behold me having. So here, this is a very mysterious part of the Bible. Um, because here we see that the Lord has, in his resurrection, he has a body. The Lord has a, has a body. Uh, of course, this body, it, it still had the, the hands and feet, and it still has the marks of the nails. Um, however, this body, although it is, it, is, it is such a body, we know it's a body in resurrection, because in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us that the body that is physical, uh, oh, sorry, the body that we put on in resurrection is no longer the natural body. So we see that the Lord here has a body, but his body is in resurrection, is uh, even spiritual, you could say, because he could suddenly be in the room uh, with the doors locked. Uh, the doors are shut and suddenly he was in the midst. So we see it's a, this is a very mysterious part of the Bible. We cannot explain it, but we do see the revelation of it, that the Lord, even in his resurrection, the Lord never, uh, uh, he still had his humanity. That, that's what I'm trying to get to. That in resurrection, the Lord still had a body. He had his humanity. Um, so the Lord was showing them his hands and feet, asking them to touch him. Uh, and while they stood there, this is verse um, 41, while they stood still, uh, while they still did not believe because of joy and they were marveling, he said to them, do you have anything here to eat? Wow. You know, the, the disciples were still doubting, just uncertain. On the one hand, they are excited that the Lord is risen. They're no longer discouraged. But they are, they are, they are they're excited. Wow, the Lord has risen. But on the other hand, there's this doubt. There's this fear. There's, there's just amazed. So the Lord asked for them to give him something to eat. Here we see that although the Lord is in resurrection, he has a, a body in resurrection, somehow this body is still able to eat physical material. Wow, you know, uh, John in his uh, epistles, he says many a time that we do not know what we will be when we see the Lord, even as he is. Actually, there are aspects of what the Lord has for those who love him, which the heart just cannot dream up. The mind cannot think. There are these things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. Even this body, this resurrected body, is just inexplicable to us. But this is what the Lord is. This is what the Lord has prepared. So anyway, although this is, this is the aspect of, uh, this is one aspect of who the Lord is in his resurrection. He has a body which can eat 
uh, a broiled fish. Uh, so in verse 43, he took it and ate it before them. Now in verse 44, uh, the Lord said, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Oh, the Lord reminds him. He reminds them that all the words that he had spoken to them while he was with them in, in the flesh, physically in the flesh. He said, the words are, all the things written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me must be fulfilled. So the Lord was opening that all the words that were written in Moses, that's the books of Moses, the, the, the books of law, uh, the books of Psalms, actually not just the, the one book of, the, of Psalms, but excuse me, the books of poetry. Uh, that's, you can split the, the Old Testament into three sections. The, the law of Moses, the books of poetry, which are collectively called the Psalms, and the prophets, whether minor or major, that's what the Old Testament is. It's made up of the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms collectively. Actually, the Lord here was helping the disciples to realize that all of the Old Testament was concerning him. The Lord, all that Moses was saying, all that the prophets were saying, all that the psalmist, the Proverbs, uh, the Ecclesiastes, all those books, they actual, what they were actually talking about was the Lord. The center of all this, all the Old Testament was Christ himself. How about this? You know, we may read the, the, the Bible and see many things, but actually from this we see that all that the Old Testament was saying, was pointing to, was Christ himself. Oh, may, may the Lord open up the scripture to us to see him in every point, every point. All, the, all that the, what Moses is saying, what the psalmist is saying, we would see Christ. We would touch Christ as the center. So now that the Lord is telling them that the, this is what the Old Testament is about, uh, we saw in verse 27 that not only he opened the scriptures to them, but here in verse 45, the Lord opened their mind. Brothers and sisters, not only do we need the scriptures open to us, but we also need our mind to be opened. You know, in verse 27, he opened the word so they could enter into the word. But in verse 45, he's opening their being so the word could enter into their being. Actually, you know, this is, uh, this is, uh, uh, maybe I should, I should phrase it this way. Uh, this is a, uh, a, a pattern to me. Uh, Sister Emmy Barber, she testified that on the one hand, she was all the time satisfied by the Lord, but on the other hand, she also had a hunger for the Lord. You know, I hope we would all pray in this way, 
Lord, on the one hand, satisfy me, but on the other hand, give me an appetite. Open my mind, open my being to your word. Lord, bless me with an appetite. Um, you know, the disciples, when the Lord was with them, the Lord spoke many things, but their being just wasn't open. But here in verse 45, he was opening their being, opening their mind. Um, you know, uh, Paul in, in Ephesians 1.18, he prayed for the saints that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. There would be an opening. You know, uh, even his commission in Acts, uh, oh Lord, his commission in the book of Acts, he was burdened to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light so that they would see God. So, so my point is such an opening, you know, such a desire for our being to be open to the Lord. Uh, I, I just like, Lord, I make this my prayer. Lord, give me an appetite for your word. Give me an appetite for your word. We, we will see why I'm emphasizing the matter of appetite shortly. So you open their mind to understand the scriptures. Actually, this word, this word in verse 45, is the reason why the apostle Peter was able in Acts chapter 2 to cut the word straight. He could, he could from, from the beginning, from Moses, he could open up uh, God's economy to the people. He could show them that this one who had died, whom they had despised, this was the Christ of God. This one was the savior, the leader, the Lord of all. The, because of this opening, uh, I, I think you can you I, I think you can pick up now why, why I'm emphasizing the matter of our heart and our mind being open to the word. It is because of um, uh, I really appreciated this uh, verses 47 and 48. In 45, the Lord opens the word so that they would see Christ, what Christ would experience, his sufferings, his rising. That is his victory. And then the Lord in verse 47, he highlights and he shows that there would be a, a proclamation. Verse 47, let me read it. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in the Lord's name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. So this is what the Old Testament was talking about. The Old Testament was talking about that Christ would come and he would die. And after his death, he would be raised. And after his resurrection, there would be the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins in his name. To all the nations. So, so this is what the Lord was opening, opening their uh, mind to, to see in the word that actually what God had promised in the Old Testament, you disciples, you have observed, you have seen it. You have seen it. 
what God had, had spoken through Moses, through the prophets, through, through, uh, through the Psalms, you were witnesses of this. You saw this. You saw Christ coming. You saw him ministering in his earthly ministry. You saw him being put to death through sufferings, put on a cross. And now you are seeing him resurrected. You have touched him. You saw. You have saw. You have seen the resurrected Christ. In verse 48, the first three words. I treasure these words, brothers and sisters. I hope you would also treasure them. Verse 48. You are witnesses. Oh, I wish I could frame these words. Brothers and sisters, we are not just Christians. We are not just believers. You know, in John 20, the Lord said, we are his brothers. He told Mary, go to the disciples and tell them, I ascend to my father and your father. He said, go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my father and your father. That was in John. But in Luke, the Lord shows us another aspect of us, of the, of the believers, is that we're not just brothers, but we are witnesses. We are witnesses. The Lord has opened the word, and we have seen what he has accomplished. Now there needs to be the proclamation of what the Lord has done. Oh, you know, uh, I just had this realization. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has accomplished a jubilee. He has accomplished a release. People have been released of their sins, of their, uh, of their judgment. Of, of They've been released from God's judgment because Christ has died. He has accomplished a redemption. Now that he has accomplished a redemption and has been raised, that is because of his resurrection, God has approved his work. God has said, yes, this work is perfect. This work is spotless. Now the Lord was bringing them, his disciples, Actually, strictly, it, uh, I don't know if you paid attention to, to verse, uh, verse 10 in, in chapter 24. It says, apostles. I don't know if you paid attention. Before, they were his disciples, but in, in chapter 24, it calls them apostles. That means the Lord was commissioning them. The Lord was sending them out. Not only is he sending them out, he has sent them out having opened the word. Brothers and sisters, the Lord gave them an open word and he opened their mind to the word. And then, now he was commissioning them to go out. However, before he sent them out, uh, I'm gonna jump to verse 49. Oh Lord, my time. He says, behold, I send forth the promise of my father upon you. But as for you, stay in the city until you put on power from on high. Actually here, the Lord was um, speaking of the spirit, the economical aspect of the spirit. The disciples had received the Lord as the spirit essentially for their life. He had become their life. 
as the life-giving spirit in John, he breathed himself into them so that they would have life essentially. But for their commission, for their proclaiming of the forgiveness of sins, for the proclaiming of the release of the captives, for their proclaiming of the jubilee, they needed to put on power. So the Lord was uh, telling them to go to the city, stay in Jerusalem until you put on power from on high. Oh, praise the Lord. For our commission, brothers and sisters, the Lord gives us himself as the resurrected Christ. And he opens the word to us and he opens our mind, our being to understand the scriptures. But not only so, he also pours himself out as the spirit. You could say this is our uniform. This is our, this is our power. This is, a, uh, this is for our uh, proclaiming, for our living, for our essential living. We need him as the breath. But for our proclaiming the gospel, for our proclaiming the uh, forgiveness of sins, for our proclaiming the jubilee, we need him as the clothing, as the outpoured spirit. So, you know, this is how we experience the resurrected Christ. We experience the resurrected Christ in order to be one with him for proclaiming the jubilee. The resurrected Christ is not just for us to have a better day. Uh, maybe we have had a long day. No doubt we might need the supply. But here, the Lord's appearing to his disciples and strictly speaking to his apostles. It was for him to commission them. He was in resurrection. He was bringing them into resurrection so that they would be one with him for the proclamation, for the propagation of the resurrected and ascended Christ. And maybe uh, because of time, I think I better, I better stop there. But may, may we pray, Lord, give me an appetite for the open word. Open the word to me. And Lord, open me to the word so that I would be one with you to proclaim, to bring these good news, to bring this word to the, uh, uh, it said, all the nations. Uh, yes, all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So actually in his resurrection and in his ascension, the Lord is carrying out this commission of ministering himself to all the people, releasing them from all kinds of captivity so that they would be part of his building for the building up of his body. Okay, I think I, I better stop there and uh, Brother John is going to continue. Amen. If I were Luke, I maybe just stop until chapter 23 after the Lord was resurrected and then they go to the tomb and they did not find someone there. <clears throat> and that's wonderful. But Luke purposely put another chapter, chapter 24, talking about after the Lord was resurrected, what has he done to the disciples and to the apostles? Well, tonight, 
we want to come to this last chapter. Number one is what Hector mentioned. He appeared to the discouraged disciples. Mm. They are not overcomers, but they are quite defeated, quite discouraged. You know? That's why it is necessary for the Lord to come to visit them, to appear himself to them. They are on their way leaving Jerusalem, leaving the church life. The Lord came to strengthen them, supply them with essential spirit. That is what we saw last week. And the Lord did not reprimand them, but the Lord just come to train them. After the Lord has been resurrected, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in order to train his disciples. Saints, we are in the day in the principle of 40. Until today, we're still under the Lord's training. He's training us in the midst, in the principle of 40. Sometimes he appeared, sometimes he disappeared. Is that our experience? Sometimes he's close, sometimes he's far. And we are in the period of 40, which is the Lord is training us until we fully experience his reality. Well, the second part of this chapter, the last chapter, chapter 24, is from verse 36. Beside training his disciples, now he also come to prepare his apostles. When you talk about the disciples, are talking about the one who following him. When you talk about the apostles, are the one who have been sent by him. Apo, apostolos. Apo means far away. And the one that he will be sent, these are the apostles. I don't need to repeat what Hector has mentioned. But I'd like to give you the three points that Hector has mentioned. Why the Lord come to visit his apostles after his resurrection. Number one is he come with a mysterious appearing. That mysterious appearing is to come to be with the apostles. To let them know that his presence he is no longer in the realm of the old creation, but he is in the new creation. He is in a spiritual body. This mysterious appearing is to strengthen the apostles that from now on, we no longer experience the Lord in a physical way. Okay? That he, is, he did not come, but he appeared. He did not need to knock the door, but he can just appear, which is in no longer in the old, in the realm of all creation, but he is in the new creation. Saints, this is how the Lord is preparing us. Sometimes we say, Lord, I want to experience the resurrected Christ. But the Lord is training us how to experience him in the realm of the new creation. When the Lord was on the earth, a group of people, they called Sadducees. Sadducees, they deny his resurrection. 
What do you mean denies resurrection? It is, that means he denying that everything in the new creation, they stick in the old creation. Many Christian believers are not so much spiritual. They are very in the physical realm. They want to touch the Lord in the physical realm. They want to experience the Lord in the physical realm. They did everything according to the physical realm. Well, the Lord is training his disciple, change from physical realm to spiritual realm, from all creation to the new creation. This is how the Lord come to train his disciple. We are all like this. We want in a physical realm, but the Lord is drawing us, is bringing us to be in the realm of the new creation, in the realm of the new, in the resurrection. And I saw many people in the church life, in the beginning of the church life, they are very physical. And later on, the Lord brought us, start from physical realm into resurrection into the new creation. You know, in the story of Samson, Samson, we know he's so capable. He is so might, powerful. The biggest failure of Samson is he did not contact the Lord. No, he, is not, he is not contacting the Lord. He knows he has been, when he was born, he born to be a Nazarite, set apart from the world. He keep all these things, but he is not contacting the Lord. <clears throat> this is something how the Lord is training us. The more we are capable, perhaps the more we are less contacting the Lord. That's why the Lord comes to visit their disciples. Come to visit his apostles in a, to, to lead them from now on. Don't stay in the physical realm and let's come to the spiritual realm. Oh Lord, when look at this verse, verse 39, you see, see my hand, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you behold me. I have this thing. Well, that experience is so precious. When the Lord entered into resurrection, he put on the resurrected body. And he come to visit his disciples. The print. On one hand, he was not limited by the old creation. But on the other hand, the print of nail still can be touched and can be seen. Is that sweet? That all what he has experienced before, everything what he experienced that is from God, that is from life, everything is still there. But all the old creation, 
all kind of linen, handkerchief, all these experiences, all, ex all creation remain in the tomb. But the mark of his nail, the nail, the mark of nail on his hand, the pierce of his side is still there. Saints, all what we are experiencing today in resurrection, all those experiences will remain. But all the old creation, nothing to do with God, will just in the tomb. Handkerchief is wonderful. Linen is excellent. But they all stay in the tomb. It's not in resurrection. They were not brought into resurrection. Today, maybe you can serve the Lord. Many things are very good, successful, good achievement, nice handkerchief, nice linen. Everything will remain in the tomb. But of our experiencing of Christ through death and resurrection, this will brought us into resurrection. The Lord said, touch. Did you see? This is the, the, the print of the nail. Look, it's still here. Said, wow, what is this? That is a mysterious body. Since the Lord today put us in the old creation, all this thing, what we pass through, everything passed through death and resurrection will be a part of our mark will be a part of our experience. All these things will bring us into resurrection. It will be with us. We don't want that one day in resurrection, there's no marks, no print, nothing. No, 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 no. We're going to have a lot of marks, a lot of print through our experience. That's number one. The Lord came to visit his disciples to train his apostles that he's, he's in the realm of resurrection. He is in the realm of the new creation. Secondly, why the Lord come to visit his disciples? Second part is verse 44. And he said to them, these are my words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that all the things written, Hector told us the entire Bible, the law, the prophet, and the Psalms. The Old Testament is included these three big sections. The law of Moses, the five books, and all the prophets, including the minor prophets and the major prophets, and the five books of poem, okay? Psalms, including the whole Bible. In other words, the Lord said, all the Bible are talking about me. Verse 45, then he opened their mind, underlined that word. The first one, he come to let them touch him in resurrection. Number two, he come to visit his disciple to open their mind to understand the scripture. This is the second reason the Lord come to open our mind in resurrection. Not in our physical old creation, 
but we need the resurrection Christ to open our mind to understand the whole scripture. 46, and he said to them, it is written that Christ would or Christ should suffer suffering and rise up from the dead on the third day. Amen. And number three, in his coming to visiting the saints, he or the come to visit the apostles, that is to give, give them the commission. That commission is to invite them to be one with the Lord with what he is doing. Resurrection is not saying, okay, job done. I'm got resurrected by everything. No, you come to invite the saints. I am resurrected now, and after resurrection is for ascension. Resurrection is for ascension. And ascension means that the Lord is carrying out his, his mission in the heaven. He starts to execute God's eternal economy. So he comes to invite the disciples, the apostles, to join his move. Resurrection is not just something come out from the dead. But resurrection is for him to execute God's economy, to execute God's plan and his move on this earth. So the third thing, the third reason that he came to visit the disciples and in verse 47, he said that the repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. How? Proclaim. Forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin is to enjoy the riches of this name. Is that now everything is done. Start, announce, proclaim the forgiveness of sin, not the covering of sin. In the Old Testament, all the blood of the ox and the bull is just to cover the sin. You take away the blood, the sin, the sin is still there. Now, after the Lord rise up from the dead, resurrected, God is happy. God justified the dead. God said, Jesus, your dead is justified. All the sins. Before and after you, everything will be nullified. Sin has been forgiven. In computer terms, is shift, delete, gone. Amen. This is now you can start announce no more barrier. The, the, the veil has been rented. We can come to the Holy of Holies. Enjoy the name of Jesus, all the riches of the triune God. The veil, the barrier is open. We can come to enjoy the riches of this name. And number two, the commission can not only announce his name, but live a life of witness to be my continuation. 
I already been like a grain of wheat falling to the ground. Now you are my continuation. You are my witnesses. You are my duplication. You are my multiplication. Number one, you enjoy the sin forgiven and the riches of this name. And the second commission is live a God and living. And the third commission is in verse 49. Behold, I send forth the promise of my father. That promise is from the book of Job. Father promised that he's going to bestow his spirit. He said, I send for the promise of my father. Underline the word upon you. Upon means on top. On top of you. That is the bring forth of the economical spirit. Essential spirit is inside of you. But now... Uh, I will send forth the economical spirit upon you. But you have to stay in Jerusalem. Stay in the city until you put on, not put in, put on upon the power from on high. The economical spirit. The spirit, one is inside, one is outside. Inside called essential spirit. When the Lord was resurrected that evening, he came to visit his disciples and he breathed into his disciples. That breathing like soft air, breathing and that air called spirit. In Greek word, air and spirit is the same word called pneuma. And he breathed the pneuma to the disciples. And then these disciples received his life. This is essential spirit. Become their essence. The essence of their life. We call that essential spirit. And then after the disciples <coughs> received this essential spirit, but outwardly, they still not familiar to live by such a spirit. So the Lord spent 40 days and 40 nights to train them, to train how to enjoy his spiritual presence, not physical presence. The Lord spent 40 days and 40 nights. Be with them. And then... <clears throat> Verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hand and blessed them. After 40 days, while he blessed them and he departed from them and was carried up in and was carried up into heaven. So after 40 days of training, they have a graduation meeting. The graduation meeting is the Lord ascend into heaven to show them, okay, now you are my continuation. And then the Lord say, in this graduation from now on, you learn to live by the spirit, not by physical, but by the spirit. And then these disciples, 
these apostles, they stay in the city, in Jerusalem, in the ground of oneness, and they pray for 10 days. These 10 days, they just keep praying and praying, enjoy the essential spirit. After these 10 days, that is 40 plus 10, it becomes 50. And in the day, in the 50th day, the economical spirit pour down. That is the time, the fulfillment of the Father. Spirit has been poured down into the disciples. Now the, all these disciples, including all the apostles, they experienced both essential spirit and economical spirit. Okay. Essential spirit for, for, is for us to live. Economical spirit is for us to work or to serve. Like the Lord Jesus, when he was on earth, when he was born, he was born of the spirit. That he received the essential spirit. Until the day, until the year of 13. When he reached the age of 13, then he was baptized by John the Baptist. At that time, the spirit came and poured upon him. That is economical spirit. This is the way we understand someone to serve the Lord, someone who you labor together with the Lord, we need economical spirit. Just like a police, he has to get to in, in the institute to study all the law and all the knowledge. But essentially, he he know how to be a policeman, but if he did not put on his uniform, he cannot be a police to execute any office. Inwardly, essentially, he has the police constitution, but he still must put on the uniform, especially he must put on the hat. If he did not put on the hat, he is not a qualified police. He must put on the uniform. And likewise, the Lord prepare his disciples in the day of resurrection, give them essential spirit. And after 50 days, he poured down the economical spirit. And just we mentioned earlier, the Lord was born of the spirit. And why at the age of 30, another spirit come? What's wrong? This is the way that we see when he was born, he essentially had the spirit. But when he went at the age of 30, when he went to carry out God's word, he need to put on the uniform, the economical spirit. And three and a half years, he started to take care of the work of God and carry out God's um, work uh, on this earth. And this is the three things that the Lord Jesus in his resurrection, he came to visit his disciples, to train them to live in the new creation by appearing himself in a mysterious way. Praise the Lord. And number two, that he come to open their mind to understand the word of God. And number three, to give them the commission to carry out God's economy, God's plan on earth. 
to be his continuation. These are the basic elements of our Christian life. Saints, we are experiencing this resurrected Christ, not only to save us, but we, we are here to experience the three basic elements of our Christian life. That is to enjoy him in the new creation, to enjoy the opening of our mind to understand the word of God. And number three, in order let this life flow out, to carry out this economy. We are here for this economy on earth. How much we receive will be the one what we flow. We enjoy him and through the word and this word flow out. That is to let the word flow out. Anything is of life will multiply. Let me come quicker here about the, when I saw this part, I was so enlightened. This is just like what we enjoy in this week morning revival. In this week morning revival, the lover or that Shulamite, let's say, Shulamite is pray to the Lord. Lord, draw me, draw me. I, I want to love you. I want to enjoy you, but you must draw me so I can enjoy you. The Lord said, you want me to draw you? Okay. Then the book of Song of Songs, this book, show us how the Lord draw the lover. And I was so helped. He drew the lover with three callings. Number one, he called this lover. Come, come out, come out. You want me to draw you? Let me come and draw you. How did he draw the lover? Or how did the Lord draw the lover? He drew us a get out from yourself. Don't keep yourself inside the wall. You don't stick on yourself. That is in the old creation. Come out. The winter is past. The rain is over. Look, all the birds are singing. The heart, the gazelle, is leaping and skipping over all the hindrances. And don't stay in the wall. Just keep analyzing yourself. Forget about yourself. Forget about all the old creation. Let's come into the new creation. This is how the Lord is taking care of the lover. Come out from the old creation. Come into the new creation. Be in the resurrection. And then he leads the lover. He said, I want to see your face in the cliff of the rock. I want to see your countenance in the covert of persepice. You know, the Lord leads her. The Lord leads her to pass through death and resurrection. You know what's cliff of the rock? That is a little, a little passage between the rock. Sometimes people took me to the cave. Inside the cave, you're going to pass through many narrow passages. That's the cliff of the rock. Sometimes you have to walk sideways. <laughs> that is a very narrow place to go through. You cannot jump around there because it's so, so restricted. And that is the cliff of the rock. Okay. 
a little passage between the rocks. And then how about the covert of Persepolis? The covert means a secret place, a small landing. This side is mountain, that side is steep, very steep. Uh, uh, Persepolis, very steep hill. This side is mountain, no room, that side all the way down. And you are in that little narrow platform. That means to experience the dead in order to bring us into resurrection. In that covert, you're not going to play soccer there. You're not going to jump around there, dance there. That is it. That means the Lord lead us past through death and resurrection. Through death, through experience of death, then he'll bring us into resurrection. He's saying, my lover, I want to see you there in the cleft of the rock. I want to see you there in the covert of Persepolis. That through that place, I will take you to resurrection. That is the first drawing from the Lord. He called us from the old creation into the new creation, passing through death and resurrection. That's the first calling. Then the second calling, he called us to be in ascension. All resurrection is for ascension. I repeat, the experience of resurrection is not just to solve the problem. Our experience of resurrection is to be with him in ascension. And he's saying, well, when I was at night, I was on the bed, was surrounded by 60 mighty men, but this bed will convert into palanquin. Palanquin is a carriage, carried by men. And that is for celebration. And that means God is moving. God is moving with the carrier, the one who carry him. Just like the ark. The ark is not carried by the beast. The ark should be carried by the priest. The Lord is moving with these people who live in ascension. Resurrection is for ascension. Ascension implies the Lord's moving. That palanquin is carried by the priest and they carry on and moving. And praise the Lord. This is how the Lord leads us from resurrection, from resurrection into ascension. And then that palanquin even go to Mount Stainer from high on top. We look down from on, on high mountain to Hermon, to Amana, to all this mountain that we look down. That is the reality, the word of God. We fight by the word of God. Did you see? Uh, the Lord draw the lover, not only experience death and resurrection, but in his move is carried out by the word. Amana means reality, means truth, truth and reality. Saints, our Christian life, if there is no word of God, there is no reality in our Christian life. We even cannot fight. 
the Lord come in resurrection, not only to visit them, but the Lord opened their mind, our Christian life. On one hand, we should enjoy essential spirit, his presence. On the other hand, we need to get into the word. Uh, we want to enjoy the resurrected Christ come to supply us that open our mind. And number three, this calling is to call her, call the lover, participate in God's move. Come and um, come with me. And to know that we're still in the flesh, into the inner veil. I will bring, bring you to the inner veil to know you're still in the flesh. But whenever you know you're in the flesh, then that is the time that you confess that I'm nothing. I have to lean on my beloved. Just like Jacob, when he was old, he knows he's still in the flesh and his flesh is fully weak. Only those people confess that my flesh is so weak. These are the ones able to fight with the Lord. That is Mahanaim. Mahanaim means the dance of the two armies. When Jacob, he saw the angels of God into these two groups, and when this something becomes impression, when he saw Esau is ahead of him, then he divided his group into two parts. He thought, okay, maybe when Esau come to attack me, okay, he can take the first part, then the second part we can run away. That's not exactly what God wants to tell him. God wants to tell him that I will make you, since you are so weak, all your people, they are babies, they are women, they are feeble, they are weak, but I will make you more than conquer. Saints, whenever we realize that we are weak, whenever we realize we are feeble, and we realize we're still in the flesh, the flesh still with us, Lord, I just need you. This kind of person can be one with the Lord's move. When you think you're strong, you cannot be one with the Lord's move. When you say, Lord, I cannot make it, I just need to lean on you, then okay, he will say, I will make you more than conquer. Why? Two army. Because one is sufficient, two is more than conquer. Praise the Lord. That is the dance of the two army. He make us more than conquer. <clears throat> this is how the Lord is calling the lover. You know, the lover say, draw me. The lesson, Let me draw you. Okay, come. Number one, I bring you the resurrection. Amen. That's what this chapter talk about. Number two, I'll bring you to know the word of God. Okay. Yeah. By, by moving, I am moved by the word of God. And number three, come, let's labor together. If you know you are weak, now we can labor together. Then he make us more than conquer. Amen. This is God's move. And that's wonderful. I hope we all enjoy this week morning revival. And we enjoy the last chapter of the book of Luke.
This is how the Lord visits us after his resurrection. In this kind of Lord's moving, at the end, even the, the lover, the lover invite the beloved that Shulamite invite Solomon. Come, let us go to the village. Wow, who is invite who? Before Solomon, invite Shulamite. Come out, come out from your wall. But this time, Shulamite, he invited Solomon. Come, let's go to the field. Let's go to the villages. Let's labor. We want to see is the pomegranate is blossom, is the vine is bearing. There I will offer my love to you. It's just so sweet. Not in the palace, but in your moving, in the villages. And we will make the villages become the vineyard. Villages is the whole world. Vineyard is the church life. We will make the villages into the vineyard, and there I will give you my love. Oh, wonderful saints. <laughs> Do you see? Oh, the book of Song of Songs is how the Lord draws us. Amen. Today, the Lord brings us into resurrection. We're going to enjoy uh, his being our beloved. We are his lover. We will answer his calling, and he has been, he's drawing us to him. Well, we still, and next 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 week, we'll skip until next year. And next year, we will come to another book. Okay? On one hand, I told everybody, we will carry on the book of Acts. Uh, but someone also suggests maybe we can get another book. Okay? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay? But anyway, um, just to let everybody know that we will start, we will resume this Bible study on the 5th of January next year. Um, well, if you have some time, this, this period of time, hopefully you enjoy the book of Song of Songs. And then next year we come, we might choose another book, but hopefully we carry on. And until the 5th of January, we can come together again, have a new beginning. Amen. Praise the Lord.